Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 76. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I'm also the host of this podcast, and I'm a full-time digital nomad that has been traveling the country since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while you're still working, aka being a digital nomad. Now remember, it's not going to stay free for long. You've been warned. Head over there now. So on this episode, I chat with Lucas and Mel, and we get into what it's like traveling with a big family. I'm talking two pets, four kids, well, three kids now, one went off to college, and what it's like really raising a large family on the road. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Lucas and Mel to the show. How are you guys? Great. Hey, good. Awesome, awesome. So where in the world are you guys right now? We are in Bend, Oregon. Oh, wow. We could have done this face-to-face. I'm like just down on the coast. No way. We were just in the coast. What part of the coast? That's crazy. We're at what's called Paradise Cove Resort. I want to make a little shout out. Uh, This isn't Paradise. And the place I'm staying on is not a resort. So, but it is a cove. There's like straight up a cove. So I'll give them that two. I mean, two out of three were lies, but everything else is good. Do you guys consider yourself a full-time, part-time, sometime? Full-time. We're full-time RVers. Nice. And what are you guys uh, living and traveling in currently? It'd be a Heartland 2015 Heartland Torque 380. It's a toy hauler uh, that we modified a little bit. It's about 43 footer. Nice. It's a fit wheel. That's a, that's a that's a big boy. I'm 41 and a half. So you guys got me beat. <laughs> no contest. Yeah, exactly. And when did a full time life start for you guys? Five five years ago, April. Nice. Okay. Well, let's go back to five years ago, April. And uh, where were you guys living? What were you guys doing? And what got you to think, you know what, let's jump into a 43-foot toy hauler and travel the world, or the country at least? Yeah, well, hopefully the world one day. But um, five five years ago, we were actually probably six years ago then because it took a while for us to get on the road. We um, We had decided, I had been homeschooling for a couple of years. We were living a really normal life. We had a three-car garage big house, um, American dream quotes, quotations. <laughs> and, uh, we kind of, when we started homeschooling, our whole perspective on life started to change because we didn't really know anyone who even was homeschooling. And so when we started doing that, um, we started thinking about every aspect of our life differently because at that point, then I quit my job that I had been working at, um, for seven years and, to adventure a lot, just me and the kids, but Luke wasn't getting to partake. And we started to realize we wanted him um, around more too, because of the togetherness that we were getting as a family um, without him was so special. In addition to that, the way that we homeschool, we do a form of homeschooling called unschooling. um, And that's all about child led learning and exposing your kids to the world. And so obviously travel, um, coincides with that really well. The more you expose your kids to, the more interests that pop up. So yeah, fun, it's a combination of things. Yeah, fun fact, I went to public school, but I still would have called it unschooling. So <laughs> right. I see where you guys are going with that. So no, that's good. Was Were you guys already remote workers? It, it kind of sounded like, Lucas, you weren't, but or were you guys? No, no. so I worked the typically, uh, you know, as a safety representative, for a manufacturing company in the in St. Louis area, 
And, uh, you know, that's what I did this, the, the nine to five for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So our hometowns are Southern Illinois. So it's like a suburb of St. Louis. So we were living there and we had never left. Luke was in the air force for four years. So he traveled when he was younger, but when he, um, once we got married and everything, we just stayed there. All our family was there. We never really moved. Um, so doing this was like huge, a huge deal for our family and for us just to make such a big change. But the job thing was our biggest hurdle. So when we decided to do this, it was September, 2015. And we got a job transfer from his job in St. Louis that following February. So it was February, 2016. And we decided this is a great opportunity to move to Houston for this new job and just sell everything we own and move into an RV there. And then from there, we'll find the job situation. And two year, like two hours after he um, said, yes, I'll take the job. We found out we were pregnant with our fourth baby. So um, that kind of threw a wrench in the plan, but we still went through with it. We sold the house, sold everything, moved into the RV in um, Houston, um, we, we had a rental RV at first and then once, um, it was probably, I think September, mm-hmm. we had a, um, our own RV then. Um, so at first he was not working a remote job. He was working a regular job and we were just taking the RV around Texas and Colorado and Utah on like a week at a time, two weeks at a time, or like for long weekends and things like that, or to go back home for holidays in Illinois. So Um, after we had the baby though, he started looking for the travel job and he secured, um, at that time, a travel job in the construction industry. And then that job got us on the road and we were moving place to place for like three months at a time. Um, With time in between. Yeah. We would get a couple months off in between jobs and that's when we would kind of explore, a little bit more of the places we wanted to see, because with a travel job, you're kind of at the whim of what the company needs and where they, which we didn't like, but it was a good transition. Um, so then he took another job uh, about a year. Was it about how long? Yeah. A year later, about a year later, he took a different job and we were traveling every two weeks, um, which was kind of perfect, but we were still going to the places they wanted us to go. Um, in that time period, when he worked the first job, we did take time to like go to Mexico for a month, um, without the RV, um, and did some trips other places. But for the most part, we traveled the entire Eastern half of the U S very thoroughly for three years. And then, um, but we hadn't really been West of Utah, uh, Grand Canyon until this past year when he started working remotely, um, for a company. And this past winter we went to Baja. We've traveled all the way up the West coast and through, um, all, all the national parks out here. Um, and we're heading, we're hanging out in the Pacific Northwest now. So, Mm -hmm. and he's actually not working for a company anymore. He started his own company, but we can talk about that later. No, I, what I like that you guys brought up too, is something I've kind of talked to people that if you're stuck in a nine to five, it doesn't mean you can't move into some sort of, you know, travel trailer, motorhome, whatever it is you want to be, because you still have the weekends where you can get out. So I liked hearing that from you guys kind of in the beginning as an encouragement to people. Cause I think, uh, you know, I mean, again, I've never RV'd or owned an RV when I owned a home. So I never had that pain point of taking things in and out of the house and to the RV when we went on a vacation. 
And that's tough. Yeah, we haven't either. Yeah. We never RV'd before either. This is a first for us. <laughs> and that's what's funny too about this lifestyle. So I almost feel like, and I, it's not any kind of clinical thesis in any way, shape, or form, but I almost wonder people that weekend RV, because I recently rented a houseboat, a 75 foot houseboat, you know, and got all the kids to come out. There's significant others. It was a lot of stress, you know, being kind of the captain and the one kind of putting this together. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd want to live on a houseboat based on that one week experience. So I wonder sometimes if the reason the common denominator is so many full-time RVers don't really have an RV past is because they just didn't do that weekend hustle where you almost need a vacation from your vacation when you get back. Um, So that's interesting. I like that a lot. And I I do agree that it's, it's tough. This life is tough if you're on someone else's location calendar. It's great to have remote work, but if the remote work is telling you where to go, and when to go, that can be really tough. So I totally get it. It was, yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, when you have four kids, it's big, it's a big risk and it's a big jump to take to do something like this. So for us, I think the baby steps were crucial just in our personal growth and in our story. If we hadn't have done it that way, I don't know if we could have done it. I know a lot of people do, and that's awesome. Um, but those baby steps were good because we were kind of able to get to know RV life before we were traveling really frequently or get to know our rig and what it needed and the upgrades. And we had time to kind of make it our own and renovate. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, but I mean, part of what our story is too, is that we've had a lot of struggles with RV travel. We've had a lot of horror stories on the road, um, but that doesn't stop us from living like this either. So um, yeah, there's ups and downs for sure. And I don't want to pretend like it's all rainbows, but, um, if it wasn't for the rainbows, we wouldn't keep rolling down the road. Right. <laughs> With, without a doubt. Can we go back to, cause you said three car garage. So I'm going to assume kind of a, you know, a larger size home. Um, and I will assume that you're somewhere, you know, 450 square feet now. Can we talk a little bit about that transition and what that was for you guys to yeah. go from a house to, oh uh, yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> It was five years ago, but it is very raw and real in our mind because it was about 4,000 square feet. What had we been married like eight years at that point? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we had accumulated a lot of stuff. Um, we had to fill the space. We had to fill the space, right? You had to put a dining room table, even though you've got a kitchen table and all that extra furniture, but also all the closet space that you just put stuff in. And so the purging process was crazy. I remember reading that Mari tidying up book that was all the rage and it really did help me get rid of a lot of stuff. I kept looking at things. Will that fit in an RV? No. Will that fit in an RV? No. So, um, it got easier the more we did it and it was kind of addicting, but, um, for sure. I remember we had this big trash day and our, our house was like a really long, like ranch style build. So the entire front sidewalk was as tall as our heads and it was just big trash day. It was trash. Like, you weren't like giving this trash. away. It was stuff that you guys well, figured it was. Yes. So we, we had given away at this point, we had given everything away. We could sold everything that we could. And this was all that was left. And we were like moving, like we had to leave. So this, (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, we put it out before big trash days. So, you know, people came through, you know, we put a big free sign on, on the front. So they were picking through it pretty 
pretty well. There wasn't much left, I think, for... It was crazy, though. It was crazy to see all this stuff pulled out of our house on our front lawn like that. And then how sad we felt about how much stuff we'd accumulated in that life we were living. Um, It's definitely one of those memories I want to always remind myself if we ever go back to, like, sticks and bricks. (laughs) it, It really does. When you put it on the sidewalk like that, out in front with the free sign... I mean, all the stuff that was important, every purchase that you bought, that you were think you were making like, this great purchase, and it's just, it looks like trash. It looks like garbage. Right. No, so. I, I agree that that was probably a pain point for me, too, in a way. And I had downsized, like, probably a year before, you know, I got into the rig, and I still couldn't believe the stuff I had. I might want to say that 4,000 is probably the largest home I've talked to a guest about, um, and then thinking about you're going to a 10th of that is that is such a huge kind of transition. Usually there's like a little bit of a smaller home in between. You guys really ripped the bandaid off of that. And yeah, then um, <laughs> what I want to ask, so did you guys have one of those like living rooms that you're not allowed in? No. Okay. Cause I, a living room that we never went in. There yeah. was a living room that we never went in. Yeah. The basement had a finished, uh, oh, okay. there was a finished basement with like a full bar and stuff, but that was just kind of like where we put all the kids stuff. Um, but the kids always wanted to be around us anyway. So really the kids have always, our kids anyway, have always kind of been in the same room as us. We really felt like the house was way too much for us. Right. Um, and we didn't, we never will ever have a house like that size again much we're kind of laid-back parents we want our kids to have fun and and create and build things and it just gets messy quickly and you don't even know where the messes are it's too hard to keep up with right yeah it's it's insane how much time we spend i mean i don't even want to compare you know like yard work because i don't think that's fair in the rv life but just the time we spend cleaning a house and trying to keep it together compared to what you have to do in an rv it's it's mind-boggling how much time if I get get all those hours back that I spent cleaning such a large, and you know, we're talking two thousand square feet, half the size of what you guys had, and it still was such a time waster. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I remember we had like a whole day for cleaning. I think Saturdays were our cleaning yeah. day, and, and every Saturday we would clean like all day. Right. And if we were having a party or a family gathering that night or friends over, we were like stress cleaning. You know, it was terrible. My parents used to clean before the cleaning lady came over. <laughs> like that i can't let her see it this messy and i was always like what right. what's the point that's doesn't make that's any sense us for right. sure no, okay. <laughs> i was like that's a, unbelievable um how have the kids been adjusting because that's got to be a pretty big adjustment and then i definitely want to talk about your kind of like extended family how they handled it but how are the kids adjusting to it so we have four kids. We have a 17-year-old in college, um, Leander. Leander traveled with us until this past August and now is um, college starting sophomore year this fall. And so, um, you know, Leander's loving life now at college. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I think Leander loved it the first couple years, but then was like, I'm over being so close to my siblings and stuff. So um, that's probably why Lander's at college a year early too. It's another reason. Um, But I will say all my kids have completely different personalities and the other. So our second oldest is 12. Cohen is 12. um, Josie is eight, uh, eight. And then Rory is four. So Josie and Rory, 
this is Rory came home to the RV. Like I gave birth and he came home to the RV that day. So he knows nothing else. He asks, you know, are we sleeping here tonight? If we pull off to get gas, like he's just so adjusted to the lifestyle. Josie's the same. She loves travel. She also loves the idea of having a house one day, but she also says, I don't, I don't want to not share a room with my siblings. Um, I think they like that closeness. And then Cohen is 12 and he is just interested in playing sports at some point. Um, But he doesn't want to stop traveling. Even just last night in the car, he's like, I just love traveling. Mm. So it's been really great. I think that once Luke started working remotely, um, we actually got our thousand trails camping pass at that point. So middle of last year, We've kind of been around other kids and families constantly. And we, as we travel, we're kind of running into the same people. So the kids have these constant friends that kind of weave in and out at different campgrounds. And they've built some really good friendships. And so have we. So I think a lot of people have a fear that like their kids won't be able to socialize. And I think that can be true, but it's up to you. Like we kind of were hermits the first couple of years. And we kind of weren't, we weren't in all the camp where we were just wherever Luke's job needed us. So it was harder to connect with other families than it is now. Um, now it's constant. Right, right. Yeah, and the sport thing is tough. Like, I mean, obviously I don't have kids with me and, you know, I would say two of my four kids played sports pretty, you know, seriously. And I had one that was, you know, it was full-time, you know, I mean, just year round and there was no breaks. And we both had a conversation recently talking about it now that he's not playing anymore and, I'm like, would you do it differently? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have played nearly as much. It was, it's a time waster. And this is a kid that ended up being six, eight. He was basically a point guard at six foot eight and <laughs> didn't get a lot of D one offers, you know? And it's funny how parents with like the five, nine kid is, no, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. And they spend 12 months a year, you know, all these different sports and dragging the entire family. And there is, I don't like to live in regrets, but there's a little bit about, you know, the whole family suffered because we had one kid that really loved doing this at the time. And now is like, yeah, I wish I would have been doing other things. It's kind of funny. Right. Right. It's funny. Well, hindsight's 2020, right? Like you do what's best at the time and that's all you can do. And I always say that to Luke too. Like, why didn't we go full time long ago? Why were we running the rat race and running to all the activities? But I can tell you, I don't miss running to activities and the more kids you have in them, the schedule becomes thicker and thicker and it's harder to navigate as a parent. But I mean, even my sister, I know there are ways to, there are a lot of people on the road. My sister's about to go full time because her sister plays, or her daughter (laughs) plays sports. Um, Her daughter's 14 and she, uh, my niece is really good at softball. So they're going to start full timing because they want to go to, uh, she lives in a small town, you know, she's an all-star there, but she doesn't get the opportunity to, to play with other kids who are really good too. So they're going to go and you know, stay in different places for different seasons. And I even told Cohen that I was like, you know, if you want to play baseball in a year or two, we could just stop, pick our favorite state, you know, find a really great place that we want to hang out for a few months and then play baseball, you know, but I don't know. I'm hopeful that they don't want to like go year round or something. Cause that would definitely throw a wrench in things. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, I'll give you a vote of not the year round. I actually, it was funny. I was in a conversation recently and I thought, it would be great if the month of July had no sports, like or sports, especially youth sports were just outlawed. And, you know, granted, I mean, I, I'm trying to, you know, think of a way to help parents remove them from the equation, even though we all do need to parent and make decisions. But 
it would just be great as a society because there were times we thought about that. And then, you know, the coaches would be like, well, if you're gone for a month, you know, I got to give someone else your position. And when you get back, you might not have it. It'd just be nice if, you know, we had a month off, especially in the summer months. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. A holiday from sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, I don't. That way kids could have free play all day. Cause I do, I think it's free play. And I think there's a lack of that in our society today. We used to play outside from sunup till sundown till our porch lights came on. And I kind of feel like we are able to give our kids that now, but it was harder when we lived in a house um, because, you know, at night all the kids would go off to their sports practices. And even my Cohen was playing football before we left and he was like in first grade or kindergarten and he was playing football. And he's like, I don't want to go to football practice. I want to, and I do think kids learn so much from that um, and they need it for their growth and development. And we've kind of, you know, put them in all these structured activities and it's, it's harder for them to, you know, to get those needs met. Without a doubt. How are, uh, how is the family with you guys, you know, especially with four kids and I'm assuming we're talking about grandparents that are probably local and maybe siblings. How are people with that in the beginning and how are they now? You know, I think we're kind of like most people, I think, Either people thought we were so cool. Wow, that's awesome. How interesting. Or people were like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And those are mostly friends. Um, And then when you get to family, you have like the fear of, I'm not going to see my grandkids. Um, You know, what are you going to do if you're stranded on the side of the road? I think there's just a lot of of fear-based kind of anxiety that goes into it. And so then you get some naysayers, but I don't necessarily think they were trying to not be supportive, just more like questioning. Um, So we didn't really get any like mean comments or anything. Just fear from your family. Yeah, just fear. But now it has turned to, I think over time, definitely a really thick layer of support. And like I said, even my sister's about to go full time. So (laughs) that's amazing. It's weird that we don't have these conversations when we take like a two week vacation. There isn't, you know, you could say we're doing a two week road trip and no one's like, what about health insurance? What about if someone gets hit or hurt or those don't come up. But when you talk about we're doing it for a year, that's when all those like, what are you going to do? This is nuts. And it's funny that those come up. I also think it's funny that something I've I've just in this last week, um, my roommate has her own business. I mean, she's a partner with me in the magazine and stuff, but she has her own business, really successful. And there are times on YouTube, people will be like, well, if you're so successful, why do you live in the RV traveling the country? Which I think is funny. And then I saw this headline with Britney Spears, dad, where it's like he makes $16,000 a month and he's living in an RV. So even the media is trying to like, like if I made $16,000 a month, I'd still live in an RV and I make a million dollars. Right. What would you, right. What would you do if you won a million dollars? I'd be like, I do this. This is what I want. We're living the dream. Right. This is our dream. And it's so weird. how people. Yeah. We might upgrade <laughs> RVs. <laughs> right. Or buy like a little plot and put your own little RV pad somewhere that you have as a right. whole base. Of course, those kind of things. But it's so weird that people, and I think it maybe it is all those years of SNL, you know, living down in the van by a river, you know, that kind right. of loser mentality. But that part is so funny to me that even the media gets into it, that people's definition of success, I have never felt more successful, even when I made more money than I do today because of this lifestyle. Like that's where, you know, like I just, it's so funny how people that haven't lived it have that kind of mindset where, you know, well, you live in a trailer park. I'm like, no, not close. I mean, I, I park a trailer, but you're just saying it wrong. 
kind of a thing. Oh, I know. I know. It's crazy. But until you actually do it, I guess it's hard to understand what it feels or looks like. I, I think that's a great almost analogy for anything in life. Until you can really get in someone else's shoes, you really shouldn't have an opinion about it. You know, right. I mean, it really is one of those things. Um, let's uh, transfer over to Luke. Tell me what you're doing now. It sounds like you've got your own thing and I want to hear about it. Yeah. So um, I started Lumel, uh, L-U-M-E-L, our names put together, Lumel EHS Agency. So it's a niche agency, agency just recruiting um, environmental health and safety. So, um, you know, that's my background uh, through general industry and construction. And I know um, a lot of places have a hard time filling these roles or they hire wrong. Mm. So I know there's a, you know, there was a need out there and that's why I started the business. Very cool. How's that? How's the transition been? Are things going well? It's slower than you thought, better than you thought. How's that been? Uh, uh, no, it's, it's, it's going really well. Nice. Um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of nothing and then there's a lot of everything, right? So, um, uh, feast or famine a lot of times, but, uh, we're making it definitely work and it's my thing. So, you know, I, I get complete control over it. Um, you know, picking the candidates, you know, trying to get, you know, really good clients that are going to work with me. So, that is very cool. I love it. I love it. And it was a good transition because uh, the job I left prior to this, you know, at the very end, that was, it was remote. So, you know, literally our whole progression till today has been <laughs> slowly stepping into this RV uh, life. Without it. And it's completely different remote work versus your own work. It's, it's so different. Like remote work is like a different layer of kind of freedom. I mean, again, depending on, you know, your manager or the boss who you're working for, but owning your own business in a remote type situation is completely different. The freedom is bananas. Like you just, it's one of those things too, where you, you know, until you get into it, you're like, wait, I can decide to not have calls today and we can move today. Or, you know, we can decide to let's do a hike on a Thursday instead of a Saturday because, you know, it'll be packed on a Saturday. It's weird, you know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've had those conversations a lot, you know, Melissa wants to go do this hike and we say, okay, well, I'll make the calls at night or, you know, I'll work this weekend, you know, it's fine. Well, and we want something too, where we're generating income um, remotely for the long haul. We want to be able to world travel. We want to be able to go and work from anywhere in the world and still be generating income. And, you know, the way that we were working before that just wasn't possible. And we honestly had a hard time stretching ourselves and realizing that really we could do these things, you know, um, you know, other people have remote jobs. That must be nice, but it was, it was hard for us to step outside the box and also like for Luke to realize that, you know, we can actually have our own business. That was really cool too. Yeah, it's definitely a different layer of freedom for sure. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's like anything. It's got its ups and downs too. It's it's freedom, but then it's also stressful because it's really up to, you know, if you put in the work, you get paid. If you don't put in the work, you might not kind of a thing. So that's that type of stuff that's interesting. Mel, do you, I would assume with four kids, and I don't like to make assumptions, I would say you're probably not working or are you? So I work really hard, but I, I don't really make any money, <laughs> but I work really hard on our Instagram page. Um, and I have a blog and, um, we also have a YouTube channel we just started, but it's kind of 
you know, in the early stages. It's a soft start. It's a soft start. <laughs> but um, I focus mostly on Instagram right now. And I'm just trying to, um, you know, give people travel tips on all the places we go and inspire families to live like this with more freedom and travel and get out in nature together. I love it. And I think, you know, I always try to encourage people that, you know, obviously there was this kind of like boom of people buying a camera and then buying an RV and thinking, hey, I'm going to take my camera, I'm going to take this RV, and I'll be an instant hit because nobody's doing that. I think that gold rush is gone. But if you've done this for a while and you can add value and tips and things like that, it's great. But there's something I think people forget. I would do, I would give any amount of money to watch my grandparents doing videos. Like I would just love to see and hear them. And obviously that wasn't their generation. They weren't really doing it. Maybe on eight millimeter, there's something somewhere but I always feel like I encourage people, especially the families, that's awesome. Like create the content, but just know that if it's not as successful as you want it to, don't let that stop you. Because at some point, either kids or grandkids are going to want to watch these videos and see this content about their family. So I always try to encourage people with absolutely stay away from the yeah. numbers game because it can really get disheartening and people give up all. I've, I mean, there's people that have been on the podcast. And I'm only on what, 75 or something that have given up not only the lifestyle, but then the content creating around the lifestyle because it wasn't as successful as they wanted to be, let's say. And it's, it's kind of a bummer because it's really great content that I guarantee no matter what, at some point it'd probably catch on or two, your family down the road would love to watch it. Trust me. People love watching that stuff. Absolutely. That's, that's why I started it really. It was more for my family. And I think at first, the first few years, I certainly, we didn't feel like experts at this lifestyle whatsoever. And I wouldn't even say we're experts now because we're always learning and growing, but I do think we have so much knowledge to give. And I know that the only reason that we were able to push ourselves to actually get to the place we are today is that first year after we decided we wanted to live like this, all we did was watch YouTube videos on travel families, listen to podcasts and watch IG um, because we were needing to stay inspired and know that other people were doing this. I don't think that we could have kept pushing ourselves so hard to get where we are today. So I just hope that we can be a light in someone's life and inspire them to, you know, take the leap. And it doesn't matter if it's one person, I don't have to reach thousands and thousands of people, but I, you know, I've gotten a couple of these messages just saying, thank you so much. Um, You've inspired us to do this. And I feel like if you can change one family's life, then that's worth the whole thing, you know? Yeah, because it can be a generational change, which is amazing yeah. too. Like, you know, that's the thing about your life. I bet your kids will have a different outlook on things as opposed to experiences that, you know, obviously my kids won't in a way because they lived in a house that had all these things and they didn't do a lot of traveling and they didn't have to think about, no, you've only got, you know, four square feet of area for your own personal items. If it doesn't fit there, you can't bring it you start really chiming in on the experiences. So it can be a generational change. So maybe you're only changing one person's life today if that's the lowest number, but it can be, you know, dozens of family members over the next few years, which is amazing. The ripple effects on these things are awesome. Absolutely. So when you guys aren't traveling, uh, when you guys aren't starting your own new business and going crazy with that, and obviously with all the kids, what are you guys doing for kind of fun? What do you guys do in what we like to call explore in the sense, you know, when you're at a place or hobbies, what are you guys doing? Well, um, we are always nature focused, I would say. Our family has always noticed since my kids were little, they do a lot better in nature. So we like to hike. 
We like to, we've been in Bend. So we went like last night, we went paddle boarding at one of these Alpine lakes. And then we went um, floating on the river with a couple of their families and a bunch of kids a couple of times. Um, we've hiked through these volcanic, you know, uh, lava flow areas and stuff. So yeah, I think anything in nature that it, we have a four-year-old, so we can't, you know, go whitewater rafting or rappelling or anything crazy yet, but um, we try to do as much as we possibly can. We do, we've done probably up to seven mile hikes and Luke and an overnight backpacking trip tonight. So um, we're, yeah, any opportunity to get out there and immerse ourselves in the natural world, the better. That's very cool. And did you guys do that a lot? You know, I mean, granted the kids would have been, you know, if you have a 17 year old, we're talking about a 12 year old and then the rest, were you guys doing that a lot when you had a bricks and sticks or is that kind of new because of this lifestyle? Um, so I was taking short hikes, but I think it's, it's kind of crazy that the way that when you're in this lifestyle that your focus is to see areas, we meet people on the road and they're like, you've done more here than I have. And I've lived here my whole life. And I guess we could say that about where we came from too. We didn't probably explore our area and do as much of the nature exploring as we're doing now. That's for sure. Because it's our focus. Um, so yeah, it's different. I think there is some like radius layers there where people, you know, most people I think when, when they think about like becoming a digital nomad, I think they're thinking Europe for whatever reason, or, you know, somewhere in Asia. They think about Thailand. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like if they think about full-time RVing, they're thinking about these like 17 states they really want to go to. And what's funny is if you just back it up and if you just, your area, it probably has some amazing stuff and you can start there and then continue to go. Because I remember I met someone, I, if listeners you don't know, sometimes on an RV you'll have, you know, basically a map of the United States and someone will put a sticker when they stay there, night two, three, whatever the rules are. And this person said they've been full-timing for five years and it was only Texas. And, uh, oh my gosh. and I was like, I get it. Or it's like, they're just drive that, that could take five years to see Texas. It if you really, really do- could. <laughs> right. It it, could. And it's like, I get it. Like you're, you're on the long, you're on the long haul plan. I don't, you know, and, and I've used to make that joke. If I saw someone that was just starting in Texas where I'd be like, Oh, you've been doing this like five years. I'm like, no, no, I've been doing it a month. I'm like, Oh, and I'd explain the story. So but it is an encouragement. It's really to- funny because I was just talking with somebody because to come to the Pacific Northwest for five years. This was the first area we wanted to come, but then all his travel jobs didn't lead us up here. So this is our first opportunity in five years to be up here. Hilarious because some people, they're able to like, travel super fast in a year and see every state. And I'm thinking, I don't know how they saw all the cool stuff in these states in one year. There's just no way they had to like be there. Um, it boggles my mind because, oh no, I don't know if the internet, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. I, I, okay. I, I cut out it once in a while, but it still, it still records it. So I think we're good. No, I do agree that when people ask me, Damien, what's your one piece of device? I always say, go slow. And I don't care what that means. They can figure that out. But it, right. it it's not just Absolutely. like, you know, with backing in the RV, I'm always go slow. You know, it's mm-hmm. traveling, <laughs> go slow. Like, it's just one of those things that I think we did 17 states, I want to say, in the first six months because I was traveling with some work-related kind of pinpoints. And I've I've enjoyed being able to be in states longer and especially areas that aren't popular. Like, I'm I'm the guy that loves the little rural area that – you know, there's no Ikea for 500 miles. Let's just put it that way. That kind of a thing. I like being in those areas. You know, we like that too. And that was one really 
cool thing about Luke's job is we were always in random places we never would have been otherwise. So we really feel like we've explored some really, really off the beaten path places because of that. And what a blessing. Without a doubt. I think that's the thing too, is, is like asking locals, you know, about eating spots. I I wish there was a little bit better way of figuring that stuff out, but that, I think that's where, you know, like a blog like yours or different stuff like that, especially for RVers or, you know, that are on that side of tourism. Uh, and we try to do it in the magazine obviously as well too. give little guides and where to go. Like, cause that's the hard part, but it's also the fun part, just finding these little hole in the wall places, you know, or just little parks that maybe nobody knows about. Um, I've made the joke on the podcast that if you put a fence around something and you call it a national park, it's popular, but there are places that are amazing without the fences and without the titles that are just as amazing to hike and spend time at. And, you know, I'm always encouraging people like, yeah, if the national park shut down, there's mountains right there to the left that are just as nice and just go right. visit those. It's so true. We have had so many like hikes by ourselves just on little county trails and stuff. And then we, we pull into, and we were really used to that. And then we pulled into Sedona and we were driving around for an hour to get one of 10 parking spots to go on a hike. Is this really happening right now? <laughs> right. No. We love Sedona. I mean, don't get me wrong. We'll go. We'll definitely be back. But it is hard whenever all these places are packed. We're a little nervous about we are supposed to head to uh, Glacier and Yellowstone later this summer. Um, but I'm hoping since I've I've booked it and planned it once school starts that maybe we'll be lucky and not have as many crowds. We'll have to see. Without a doubt. No. It is going to take some finagling, but it's still – very much possible. That's something I think people are hearing where it's like, it's not possible to travel and be in an RV. And I'm like, that's not true. It just might be hard to go to something like, you know, Glacier or to Yellowstone or just anything like that. It might be really tough, but there's plenty of, that's the great thing about this country. There's amazing places to go. Um, let's go into a little bit of what I like to refer to as the high low. Um, we always start with the low so we can end with a high, but what's something, and it could be together or individually, it doesn't matter. Um, that maybe just didn't expect in this lifestyle that came out, what's been a low for you guys? Oh, I do have some rules. Sorry. Can't be a flat tire. Can't be bad internet. Can't be COVID related. I think all of us have had kind of some sort of mix of those things, but just something that was just in this lifestyle that just, you know, was kind of a low. (laughs) We've had so many. Um, I think there's been two really huge ones incident that happened. It was our financial decisions coming into the lifestyle. So, and I've been trying to tell people more about this lately. When we sold our house, we used the cash to buy the RV and we bought a cheaper truck so that, cause we were trying to be debt free on the road. Um, therefore our truck had a series of issues for like two years solid. Um, one of them, we were in Fort Collins, Colorado, driving up the side of a mountain I'm sorry, the um, truck stopped working altogether and he had to back the RV down the side of this reservoir onto the dam. Oh, wow. And he didn't know what was wrong with it at the time. So we had to like get out and I was holding the baby and we're all on the side of the the road. And I'm like, don't fall off the side of the mountain. And then I'm directing traffic, you know? Um, But it was like a $5,000. We needed a new transmission. transmission. The transmission went out. So it was a, it was a really stressful time for us because we didn't have like a huge, we didn't have lots of, we had spent all of our savings, all of our money 
to be debt free. And we just thought it's going to be rainbows and butterflies and it was fine and we were able to pay for it. But my point is it was an added stress at the time, the finances of it um, that didn't probably need to be there. Had we taken and like known that maybe a really huge savings is a good idea when you're living like this, when you're constantly moving, you're, there's going to be lots of repairs. Um, so that is one thing. And then the other was I was driving behind Luke and the truck um, flaming pieces of Luke's truck come flying at me underneath the up the truck's on fire and we're in like two lane Houston traffic and Luke has to get out, run the dog and one of the kids back to the minivan. Cause I was trailing behind and he had to go grab the fire extinguisher and put the fire out into the truck and then drove like five or 10 miles per hour for the next hour to get to the next exit. It was, it was pretty crazy. Was <laughs> it a, like a fuel leak or was it your brakes? What was No, it, it was uh, the transfer case exploded. Oh, you know, wow. I heard some vibrations all, all of a sudden. And then um, we were right in the middle of construction zone. So I just kept running with it and kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> and what I think is interesting about both these lows, though, is they're not like you can have these lows in a bricks and sticks. I mean, you can basically buy a home and then all of a sudden you find out you need to completely replace the sewer line from the street to your house. And that can be 10 grand and you just weren't expecting that hit. And that's where I, I like the idea of the low high. Cause sometimes um, they're very similar to the other lifestyle, you know? And, but I think people they think it's, it's going to be completely different, but there are parts, you know, a flat tire in this lifestyle is a lot different than a flat tire in a bricks and sticks, but an engine going out, on the side of a hill is a little different than your sewer line going out in your main house. Like that's, there are different, but the, the expense thing is there. But I, I mean, th- the pro is we do have a fifth wheel. Like had it been our class a engine went out, I don't know what we would have done, oh, yeah. but like in these cases, we're able to get towed. Then we're at a campground and our house and everything we own is still there. So we still have this consistent place for our family to go in and have a safe pl- place to be. So it, it is different. Um, because there's the stressor of having to find a place to move our camper to and everything than if you were in a house. But um, yeah, (laughs) it was stressful. There is a good point in case you just didn't pick up what she's talking about is this is one of the differences. I think when people talk about, should I get a class A or should I get a bumper pole or a fifth wheel or a travel trailer or whatever? um, Is that when you get an engine problem, a lot of times you can't be in the rig while it's getting fixed, but with a fifth wheel or a bumper pole, you can take the truck into a dealership like you normally would with any truck. And it is a big difference in that lifestyle, especially if it has to be there for a week because you can rent a car for a week. And that's a lot cheaper than renting, let's say, a hotel for a family of six while the rig is you know, somewhere getting fixed. So just in case you didn't pick up on that, because that was quick, but I, I think that's one of those little like tips that people need to understand when they're thinking about it, that just know if you have an engine problem, it's tough that for them to come to your campground and work on your engine. Now, the other upside is we've had a ton of work done on the fifth wheel while it's in a campground. Like we don't even have to take it to like a dealer or to some shop. They'll come here and fix that stuff. But engine work is definitely different. Um, the highs, this is where I think it, it does separate between the two lifestyles. What's been some highs on this road for you guys? What do you think, Luke? You go first. Um, I don't I think, you know, it piggybacks on the lows, you know, um, it, propelled me you know i was already handy before right or at least i thought i was i probably still think i am today but you know knowing that you know giving me the confidence that i can figure this out 
I can work on these things. I can learn, you know, at this age, I can learn new tricks and, you know, be there for my family and have the confidence, you know, to go around the country or the, hopefully really soon the world and get it done. And, you know, cause that gave me the confidence to start. That gave me confidence to, you know, work on all the, the, you know, the water lines and the RV and the, you know, building my own, you know, uh, uh, solar, uh, solar panel system, you know, for re- together piecemeal in it. Um, and just giving me the confidence, you know, as a human being to get these things done and being there for my family. Cause I know they count on me. Yeah, absolutely. I see that too. And this is where I always, I make the joke cause I wasn't really a handy person in the but, sense that if I had something go wrong with my house, I hired a person that had that skill set as opposed to just trying to figure it out. And that's why I always make kind of the comment of this would be really great if we all did this in our 20s because then we would take that kind of skill set that we learned in this lifestyle into, you know, our reg- even if we didn't want a full-time RV for life. But if we just had a season where we did it, you start to learn, you know, all these things that, you know, again, it's not about the things and then the things you do have, you can fix yourself you know, to the most part, I think there's sometimes it's important to bring professionals in, but for the most part, we can kind of figure it out. And it does give you a lot of confidence to do that. So it's a good one. Mel, what about you? What's been a high for you? I do think that Luke is right. The personal everything. And we talk about it all the time. It's just every, like the closeness and the togetherness it's caused us to work on ourselves, our relationships, Um, I think that that's probably the most important can't replace like the, the experiences and the time that we get together. Now there's nothing better. And I feel like those are the most important things in life. It's not the things, right. It's, it's the experiences we have together. I agree. I also feel like it does something where it's like it multiplies time in a way. So like, you know, uh, a five-year trip in an RV is like 15 years everywhere else. Like it's, it's like almost like it's got like its own weird dog <laughs> no, years, sure. you know, it's it like, does. yeah. It's cause, yeah. Cause you're together like all the time and you're, you're doing things and there's not like this where you're shifting. Like I just, it was funny. Someone asked me the other day, what's been the biggest thing that you've noticed the difference in the last four years? And I said, I haven't been at a party where I'm like, why am I at this party? Like, oh, that's a good point. You know, like I just haven't, I've had, I used to have that moment all the time where I'm like, why am I here? Like, how did, because oh. this coworker or this family members, you know, second cousin, sister, it's just <laughs> weird. Like, I just don't do those things. So that's so funny to me that, you know, I no, just don't see that. that's true. So if people want to find your blog, find your guys' uh, YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like always, folks, I'll write this down in the show notes so you don't have to write it down right now. Uh, where can people find you guys? Well, our last name is Lar, so we are Lars with Latitude. So that's L A H R S dot with dot Latitude. That's our Instagram. Yeah, everybody messes our last name up. L A H R. L A H R. Yeah, people forget the H. Um, and then we're also you can find us at larswithlatitude.com for our blog, and you can look us up in YouTube Lars with Latitude. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on the show and sharing your story. And if you want to reach out to them, they have provided the, the social links down below. Go ahead and reach out to them and let them know that you uh, you found them on the Rootless Living podcast. Thank you both for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Damien. Thanks, Damien. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Lucas and Mel for coming on the show. 
I really hope it inspires anyone that is thinking about hitting the road full-time, even if you have a large family. It can be done, and it can be great. Just go for it. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links, and if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living Podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living Podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out, and if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.